Hey guys, welcome into the Bear With Us podcast. I'm Jack, he is Frank. Last week we had a, had a more positive episode than, than probably what this week's going to be. Uh, why, just not even a number of reasons, just reasons why we think the Bears might be better uh, than than what most people assume they will be. I think, Frank, I, Bears fans are weird, man. Like, they, they, <laughs> love, they love living in misery. I, I think that's a big part of it. They, they don't just, they always just assume everything's going to be the same. And, you know, I, I can't necessarily blame them for that, Frank, but I, I don't know. Like if you're, if your only time of year is to be, have some optimism and be positive is the off season. Why not just embrace it? Have a little fun with it. I, I agree. I think, for me, I, I think sometimes people get lost in what the positive really is, though. You know what I mean? Where, like, they get sort of lost in la-la land where it's like, well, this is a fucking... Like, to them, like, being optimistic means, like, the Bears are winning 12 games. And it's like, let's, you know, tone back expectations. The fun is, like, hopefully seeing a real NFL offense being fielded, seeing a young quarterback actually progress and have, like, you know, you really start to, like, see this process start to unfold. Like, that should be the fun that everyone's looking towards versus like, you know, like you said, it's either like, Oh, like there, it's the same old shit. Like they got a defensive head coach. This is going to fucking suck. Or it's just what I described of like these homers that, you know, I'm positive. Had I known them when Adam Archuleta was starting at safety, they would have told me, like, they gave me reasons why it was the greatest signing in the world. Like I, I think there's too many extremists in bears fandom where it's like, I get, in certain seasons where you're really excited. I mean, we and looking at us, like going into 2019, we were fucking jazzed up. Like, all right, can Mitch take the next step? Can we really be that team? Can we be, you know, is this a, a guy we can build around? And is Nagy really that good? But we don't have reason for that. But I also don't think we don't have reason to be like, well, this is a one win team. Like we're, we're the fucking Jaguars. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's that either. So like, I hate that it comes across as like a centrist type of view, but I really think that's where the bears are. We're somewhere in the middle, I think, uh, of all of that. I, I, I agree. I think it's more of a reflection kind of on, on where our society kind of sits right now and in, in all aspects of life where it's, you know, especially on social media, it's, you know, you kind of either got to be so far in, pessimistic where it's just like how can this team win a game where it's like on the other end it's like well this team's winning a fucking super bowl it's like <laughs> I, I understand I, I i understand the goal obviously of, of every season should be to win a super bowl but i think you have to take a step back and, and really reflect that you know I, I saw way too many people talking about well you know three and 13 five win team it's like people have been saying that for the last four seasons. And it's like, I, I don't know where, where they get this. I, I just don't understand why the bears. Like, I, I feel like bears fans in their minds just assume this team is just always terrible, but it's not, that's not really true. Like they're more middle of the pack, but yet nationally as well, they're looked at as like the Lions, the Jaguars, the Texans to a certain more recently. You know, they're looked at as like those terrible teams. Meanwhile, the Cowboys and Giants and Jets are always like, this team could win 10 games. This team could win a Super Bowl. Like, it's like, I, I just don't understand where this 
idea that the Bears are always the worst team in the NFL comes from. This is just it hasn't been true, even with a terrible coaching staff. Yeah, no, you you know why I think that is though, Jack. I I was I was listening to uh, a different NFL, a general NFL podcast, um, and it's funny that you said that because they brought up a really good point that I, I think sort of encompasses why that's the case for the Bears. Unfortunately, in the NFL, and honestly, probably the NBA too, to to a lesser degree, the NBA, but definitely the NFL. The team, the only teams that matter are the really good and the really bad. The middling teams are fucking boring, dude. And I, I think that's like that's what it is, just what you described. The Bears have been a middling team for the better part of our life, and what that leads to is like you staying anywhere from six to nine wins. So you're not bad enough to like try to you know get that quarterback or like get you know real blue chip top of the end in the first round anyway. Uh, draft picks that like give you that sort of optimism because think about think about someone like the Jets they just went they're, they they're going to back to back regimes that are like oh this is the fucking young kid this is great I would rather live in that and continue to be let down by like maybe you know this court like Zach Wilson isn't going to be a thing and and obviously we know what Sam Darnold turned out to be versus like here goes a reeling out of fucking defense again and like here's <laughs> Cordell Stewart like maybe he can yeah. be an average quarterback to get us there here's Andy Dalton like. I would rather be let down by like young hope than be what we've had to deal with pretty much our whole lives. Cause like that, you that was what? the one thing that, that, uh, uh, sorry, Jack, but that was the one thing that we no, said no, like good. with when Mitch was here, it was so strange. Cause it was like a lot of people were rooting for him to fail. And obviously he did fail, but it was like, that's not how you treat young quarterbacks, man. Like we're just, we're, we've never had that before really. So like the time we had it, it's like people were like almost rooting against him. And it was like, dude, you guys not know he's still your quarterback. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? And it's, it's, yeah. I mean, Chicago has a very weird mindset uh, when it comes to the bears. I, I think you, you made a good point where it's like, I think where bears fans, more casual ones at the very least, just like are, are like, well, we're, we're probably just going to be bad again, where maybe, maybe they're not even necessarily talking about the record. Maybe they're talking about watchability, which I know is like number one on your list. Yes. Every single year is like, I don't, you know, I, I would love to win a Super Bowl. I'd love to to make the playoffs. I'd love to be a, you know, constant contender. But overall, number one should be to be a watchable, enjoyable product. And I think maybe that's kind of where it's it's coming from. But again, it just doesn't really add up to me why there isn't more optimism this season. Like, yeah, last year ended terribly, but everyone going into it was like, this is going to suck. It's going to be bad. <laughs> We got almost everything we asked for, right? We got rid of Pace. We got rid of Matt Nagy. We got some sort of restructuring at the top of the organization in terms of bringing in, a, you know, the, the reporting structure. Now it's, you know, Ted Phillips is he's out of the way, at least reportedly. It's, you know, George McCaskey on down. We got Bill Polian to help out, bring some respectable people into this building. We got a new GM who who loves offensive linemen. That's all I've hear, heard Bears fans complaining about for years. It's like, well, they just don't fix the offensive line. It's terrible. Well, they made that a focus. They hired a defensive coach, uh, a defensive coach who has a very familiar type of system that we're going to be used to. And we got an offensive coordinator from the Packers who seems to really understand what he can do, what he needs to do to make Justin Fields play better. I just don't really get the the lack of optimism this year. Like it's 
a very winnable conference that the NFC is not very good. Like all of the quarterbacks are in the AFC now, except for Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Are they at that level where they can really worry about that? Not really. So why not just see what this team looks like? And, and arguably, they didn't lose that much. They they got rid of some bad coaching staff, some bad players, in my opinion, and they only improved the roster. I I guess I'm just not understanding why why we aren't seeing what we normally see with Bears fans, where it's like in the off season, everyone's super excited, and and, and we're just not seeing it. So I just I just the, don't uh, get it. I I I, I wonder. And this isn't like data we could ever pull, obviously. But I, I do wonder how much of that has to do with Justin Fields' skin color. Because, I mean, even when people were so out on Mitch, like Mitch clearly showed you he wasn't the guy he still had to his guys behind him that followed him to Pittsburgh. Now, well, Buffalo first, then Pittsburgh now. Who's hitting? He's already like lost his job there, <laughs> you know, and... It's I, I've literally seen some of the same Twitter pages be so down on Justin Fields who were so high on Mitch. And again, like I know Justin Fields didn't have a great or even good or even average rookie season. And, and like a, as an NFL quarterback, not comparing it to other great other NFL greats rookie seasons, just in the scope of one year, it wasn't a good season at all. But again, like what did you see from Mitch that just talent wise that shows you he's anywhere near the prospect that this kid is? So, again, he might be a failure, but I stand by what I've said about Justin Fields. But what I've seen from him year one, some of those big time throws that he made, he made more of those in one year than Mitch did in four. Uh, so it only leads me to believe that there's underlying things as to why someone would dislike him as a prospect. Like you said, I don't know if we can prove or disprove that theory. Um, I think there's something to it. Um, but I guess it's it's kind of... I, I just, you know, using I, I'm pretty much using this as a follow up to our last episode because I did just yeah. get some feedback where it's like, you know, I saw I saw the podcast and, you know, it was, you know, an hour long and the title was why the Bears are going to make the playoffs. And I, I just couldn't click on that. I'm like, I just didn't understand that. Like, I'd be curious if someone was like, yeah, here's why the Bears are going to make the playoffs. And you see that's an hour long and be like, well, there's got to be something in there to talk about. So let's but I thought check we it out. Pretty- I thought we were pretty thorough in sort of breaking it down between like, here's what realistically can happen. And here's like, what's going to need to happen for them to be like a legitimate contender. Um, And again, I feel like I fall like, obviously this episode is going to be why the bears are going to suck this year. Like why they just aren't going to be a thing that they're going to be that three win team or four win team that the experts are saying that they are. Um, And I truly do land like somewhere in the middle but I, I, you know, before we even get into like why they're going to suck and what what can happen this year that like, you know, is going to be more disappointing than not. I, I can see it like I, I see this team really as being like last year's Eagles. Like you have a young quarterback, maybe not the best weapons around them. It's still young, new regime, but it's like the NFC is weak. You're, you're going to every single year you sneak some wins that you shouldn't win. It just is. That's what NFL teams do. So like if you think we're going to win five games, we're probably going to win like six or seven because we're going to win a game or two. We shouldn't. Um, and again, I just like you said, I don't think this team talent wise is as bad. Like we've won six games with a coach who had no idea what he, what he did. And then we made the playoffs two of the last four years with the coach who had no idea what he was doing. So it's like, I almost, the guys who are still here, I write off 
a lot of what I thought about them, especially on the offensive side, because it's clear he had no idea what he was doing. And again, you're you you the guys you lost didn't really make an impact last year. Like yeah. they weren't like guys that you were relied on, and you still have pieces that it's not your traditional rebuild, which I think is why Ryan Poles has kind of stayed away from that word and just using you know kind of more of a reload because. Roquan Smith is still a pretty young player. Obviously, Darnell Mooney is a guy you can build your your wide receiver core, you know, at least to include him, if not all fully around him. You have a second-year quarterback who flashed really good traits last year in the Pittsburgh game, San Francisco game, almost almost every game. I, I feel like we talk about those two games specifically because there was just so many examples. But it, you can't really just pretend like he wasn't, good in the other starts that he made just because he didn't have those splash plays. There's still a lot you came away with, you know, tight uh, Cole command and entering his third year who you're, you know, high on, you have, you know, a couple, what second year tackles that you're building around, you know, that you're, you're trying to see what they have. Um, the offensive line, you didn't lose a key piece like James Daniels guard cares. Like, honestly, who cares? You lose Akeem Hicks, so we've talked about, you know, just he's, he's fine. But Khalil Mack, it's not the same Khalil Mack. Robert Quinn was the guy who was doing the most, and he's still here. You know, so, like, you add to the secondary. I, I, I just, I don't understand, like, why this team is perceived to just automatically be worse than they were last year, especially because they upgraded the head coach, like, they, they upgraded the coaching staff. I really don't know how it could be worse than it was with Matt Nagy and whoever else was pretending to be offensive coordinator, the 18 guys he had in his quarterback room. Like, I don't know. But I, I guess we can dig into a little bit more about why the Bears, you know, if this season goes poorly, what is that really going to look like? Um, so, Frank, kind of just kind of copy-paste from, from last yeah. week. Give me your number one. Why do you think this season is just not going to be going in the Bears' favor? So it's it's sort of a combination of two things on the offensive side. Um, with one A being Justin Fields just doesn't take that next step that we're expecting him to take. Uh, we talked about it last week. All the things that we do want to see him improve on, just getting the ball out a little bit quicker. You know, that that processor, that sort of internal timer being a little bit quicker, which I think we did see progress with that last year. Um, but you just want more consistency with that. Um, but realistically, the the knocks against him going into this year or or I guess a reason to maybe not to like halt, you know, super high expectations is it is his third offense in three years. He was in, at Ohio State three years ago. Last year he was with uh, Matt Nagy and now he's with Luke Getze. So th this is a totally new offense, not only for him, but for the, for the whole offense. So even guys who he's had continuity with, there may be, you know, an adjustment period there. Um, and you know, I mean, he's really, this is really his rookie season. Like that he, the, the live reps last year were, are always going to be valuable and, and getting that NFL speed, just like understanding what things are having film on yourself. So, you know, what you have to work on, but again, we know how much of a clown show that was with Matt Nagy on the offensive side. It was it was bad. I mean, there was little tidbits coming out last year, and we touched on this, Jack, where he was like, they asked him, well, what's the difference between him and Luke, uh, um, um, Bill Lazor? And he's like, well, it's just, it was less frantic. Like, it was a lot, you know, it was like he just, like, spoke to me in the headset and we got what we were going to. It's like, that just tells me, like, Nagy is one of those guys who just had, like, you could see it with his offense, too. Like, it was sort of a reflection of him, like, a million words per second and, like, very anxious and, like, just going. And that's just what his personality was. 
Um, so he's starting, he's starting fresh, which you can look at as a good thing, which I think in totality will be a good thing. But for year one, we're isolating the 2022 season. It may not be a good thing. You know, it's, it's basically his rookie year. Um, and then realistically, it's just his lack of weapons. It's something that we've touched on. Like, I, I'm not, as the weeks have gone by, I'm not as upset as I was without, you know, getting one of the guys who I deem to be pretty premier talent in that second round. Um, but we don't have that guy. Can Darnell continue to improve and be that guy? We don't know. But as it stands on paper right now, we don't have it. Um, but then 1B for me, and this was a separate point last week, but it's just much quicker. And I think it just go, goes with it is, dude, We've hired offensive geniuses before. We've hired the offensive guru, the quarterback whisperer, Mark Tressman, Matt Nagy. You know, I'm sure there are other examples from our youth that maybe I wasn't too in tune with. But like, we've hired these guys that were supposed to to work miracles before. Not, not that like Luke Getzi is being asked to do that, but we've hired guys who were supposed to be competent. We really don't know with Luke Getzi. Like, we. Me and me and you included, we've just have been assuming like, oh yeah, of course he's he's gonna be he's competent. He knows what, he, but that's what Matt Nagy was supposed to be. Like I know the offensive genius thing was thrown out there in the guru, but at the very least, like the baseline was supposed to be you're supposed to be competent at your job when it comes. You're an <laughs> offensive guy. Yeah, you're supposed to and, be top tier type coaching. Right, right. Yeah. he was supposed to be top tier, but I'm saying even let's say we shot for the stars with that. He's a top tier genius, but then we just sort of landed like, oh, he's really like. You know, a middle-of-the-line guy. That would have well been short. great. Yeah, it went yeah. from, like, he's supposed to be this guy to, like, you literally being probably the worst play caller in football. Like, I mean, it was there was no in-between there. Um, so uh, just the unknown of a new offensive coordinator who's bringing a whole new system. Um, again, the I, I lay more on the I'm encouraged by it because – he has like said what he wants to do. This is we're, we're, I mean, they're already talking about like the power eye formation. They're talking about being a run first team. They're talking about putting Justin in, in situations where he's going to succeed cutting the field. I love what I'm hearing, but we don't know if that's really going to be the case, right? Like I, I know other coaches didn't come out in the past and say what they were going to do. And they tried to play the mystique of like, Oh, well, you'll see week one. And you'll, you'll, you know what I mean? And like, you got it that way, but yeah, it's, it's, it is the unknown with Lou Getze. So that, that to me is like, those are the two biggest things. It's ob obviously the offense, because I, I think the floor on the defense is pretty high. I, I don't think the, the floor on the defense is nearly as low as the offense can be. Um, I mean, do, do you have anything to add there with the offense? or Yeah, or yeah just just a couple things. Uh, number one, to, to your point, I just, I just find this funny about, um, you know, Mark Trussman and Matt Nagy coming in and, you know, not succeeding in Luke Getze's defense not necessarily defending him from you but i think it's just important to bring up this context because a lot of people probably think and feel the same way you do where it's like well we've tried you know we've had this guy as our offensive coordinator we've had this guy as the head coach like this is what they're supposed to do to this point and i know it hasn't been super long since he got the job but we haven't heard the same stuff afterwards from what we heard regarding Mark Trussman and Matt Nagy. Mark Trussman's whole thing, first of all, he was a Canadian head football coach where he won a bunch of Grey Cups. Like, okay, what what does that mean to like what does that mean? That doesn't mean anything to anyone in the NFL or fans of the Bears. Like, I mean, it's it's great that he can win championships, but they don't that doesn't carry over. Um and and, and so when you you know, put aside the Canadian football stuff, you go into the his NFL history as an offensive coordinator and you, 
you saw that weird pattern where it was like <laughs> the one year where he's calling plays and he's just a stud. Like he's just calling his teams are scoring 30, 35 points a game. And you're like, that's great. And then you look at year two and it's like, they score like 16 points a game and you're like, oh, okay, that makes me a little nervous. And what did we see here? That exact thing happened. Same thing with Matt Nagy where it's like, like, yeah, they hired him from the Chiefs, and that's great. And you're like, oh, and he, he was the offensive coordinator. He called this game, called that game. But then you hear, well, no, he only called plays for like four games, and they scored like <laughs> eight points a game. And you're like, oh, that that makes me a little nervous. And you're like, ah, nah, come on. Man. But then you kind of look, and you don't – I don't remember ever hearing anyone say in the Chiefs, like, you know, losing Matt Nagy is tough. Like, that's that's a rough loss there. The only time, the only guy I've heard talk about Luke Getze leaving being, you know, actually hurting the team was Aaron Rodgers of the Packers, like, who really didn't want him to leave. So you don't hear some of that stuff that we heard regarding Tressman and and, uh, and Matt Nagy. And again, I, it's I, I'm not saying it's a it's a clear parallel and that's exactly why he's going to succeed. But I just wanted to, <laughs> to bring that up because I think, you know, you kind of saw uh, uh, some questionable patterns. I, I think for me, it's just like a lot of the hires have made sense so far. And that's all you and I have really asked for. Right. Just just make sense with what you're doing. So um, just a quick aside there uh, in terms of the offense. And I'll be brief. Uh, question marks is really the number one thing. It's great to be optimistic about. Tevin Jenkins, about Larry Borum, about Justin Fields, about the guys they drafted, you know, Vellis Jones. It's it's great to be optimistic, but as you said, we we don't know. I mean, it could very easily go the other way. Tevin Jenkins may just not be a good starter, right? We didn't see a whole lot. Uh, it is a brand new offense. We, You know, something I think needs to be made clear, because it wasn't fair to Mitch either. Everyone is learning this offense. It's not just the quarterback. Everybody needs to be on the same page about this offense. Is Luke Getze a good teacher? We don't know. We Matt Nagy, that was one of his, supposed to be his bread and butter. He was supposed to be, you know, able to create this, you know, super fun offense, call this fun offense, and then teach it to his players. And, and nobody, I mean, God, I think it was like one of our first episodes. We were like, who on this team is better in year two than <laughs> they were in year one? Nobody. And that was the simple answer. So are players going to improve in this offense? We don't know. Questions on the offensive line. It, it's easy to say, well, you know, we just have to wait and see. But it could very well be that some of these guys just aren't very good. Even the guys they drafted in the later rounds. We, you know, it's 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 great that they got a round three grade. But why did they drop to the fifth round, specifically Braxton Miller or uh, Braxton Jones, I should say. We, we just don't know. So I, I totally agree with you. I think question marks on the offensive line and just overall, you know, Byron Pringle and Equinemius St. Brown, like what role are these guys going to play? We just don't know. And it could very well go bad just as easily as it could go well. Yeah, 100%. I think that was really going to be my second point uh, was the offensive line. And and it's, it's one, it's like lack of, you know, potential talent just like you said we don't really know what we have in a lot of these guys I did like what I saw out of Larry Borum but then that leads into to the second point which is probably the bigger point of like it's kind of musical chairs like 
Tevin yeah. Jenkins is playing right tackle now. Like we liked everything we saw from Larry Borum at right tackle last year. If they're switching again, that's a whole new ball game. You know what I mean? And and you know the interior, it just sort of is what it is. Like, uh, you know, Cody White here. I think we've always liked Cody White here as an interior blocker. I don't think we liked him as, as the, he wasn't very good at snapping the football at center. But we know what he can do on the interior. But you know, Lucas Patrick. I don't think anyone's been like super high on him. No one's mistaking him for, you know, Olin Krutz or like somebody, some elite center or anything. So it's like, I, I feel like in year one, we may be putting things together. It's almost like a bandaid. Like let's, let's, let's get this as, as manageable as possible. They're already talking about game plans with, you know, moving the pocket and play actions, which is phenomenal. Even with a good offensive line, that's phenomenal. But I think in the negative context, someone could take that and say, well, they're thinking that because they know Justin's not going to have time in the pocket every time. So we need to keep defenses on their toes, which again, to me, that shows competence. Like that's more of a positive. If you can recognize that, hey, maybe we didn't get the top tier talent that we wanted on the offensive line. I know they wanted to get that Bills offensive guard. I'm blanking on his name, but they wound up matching the offer. Like they did try to get other guys. Let's make no mistake about it. So these weren't their first options. Like Lu- Lucas Patrick wasn't necessarily their first option. You know what I mean? Um, and so the offensive line is just a huge, it's probably the biggest question mark on the team. Cause individually from what I, what I've seen from the guys that we've drafted from what we've seen uh, when, after game one with Tevin Jenkins and Larry Brown, I've liked what I've seen, but then it goes back to that whole total offensive thing. They're all still learning this scheme. I think that's what one thing that people take for granted. And this is me not being on any sort of high horse. Cause if you had me try to break down what offensive linemen actually do, I couldn't tell you in terms of schematically, but I do know that still that their scheme changes as well. It's not just, yeah, you're pass blocking this down and you're run blocking the next based on the play. It, it like in layman's terms, it's that simple, but it's a lot more complex than that when it comes to like zone blocking or man to man or recognizing who the mic and the will is and who could be potential blitzers. And if this guy blitzed on the inside, we move like they do a ton of very complex shit. And I feel like people don't, you know, uh, they sort of downplay that because it's like, oh, the big ugly is like they're just big and stupid. It's like offensive linemen are very fucking intelligent, man. Like they know yeah. a lot of what's happening in front of them because they have to. You're not successful if you're just good at blocking. You have to know what you see from the defensive side. So all in all to say, like I, I everything that I've said, I don't necessarily agree with just the same way last week. I didn't agree with everything that I said. <laughs> it's sort of like looking at it, like isolating this season this is a real, this can be a real worry it, 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 and there are legitimate worries to have. Um, and I already sort of spoiled the way that I feel in totality. I do find myself in the middle of these sort of the bears are fucking great. They're going to make the playoffs and the bears are horrible. And this is why here are the question marks. I'm, I'm very much so in the middle because even with all the question marks on the offensive line, um, one, I, I, I have no choice, but to have faith in Ryan Poles and everything he said, uh, you know, about the offensive line coming in and just the fact like, and again, people who, who are either casual Bears fans or maybe don't know as much about the Bears as like, you know, people like me and you who, who really like understand ownership, at least from the outside looking in, we're not like in meetings or anything. But the fact that it came out that he straight up told George, this is what needs to change. And like, this is what I feel about the offensive line. And George wasn't just like, no, never mind. We're going to get someone who's just going to go along with what we've been doing. That's fucking telling. Like, that's a great thing to me. And, and that just, you know, I say that just, to say like, that's why I do have faith in him, at least as it stands until that, that, you know, he does something that like breaks that I have no choice, but to trust him because that's how he got this job. So that to me is an exact negative of why this season could go real poorly, real quickly. 
I mean, I mean, it's great that that he impressed George like that in the interview, but <laughs> George hasn't exactly been the best judge of character in in most of his hires recently. Like, it just hasn't, he just doesn't have that track record. So, to a lot of Bears fans' credit, you know, it is kind of a I'll believe it when I see it type thing. You got to prove it that that you got this one right, and only time will tell. Um, I mean, Ryan, Ryan Poles could be bad at his job. Like, it's, it's really that simple. Um, you know, he, I thought he got creative with the salary cap in terms of getting rid of people. Um, some of the trades he made, I, I you know, did not hate them. Um, but this is his first time doing it. You know, I, we, we've seen the first-time head coach, first-time GM kind of paired together. Um, and I, I know it's an obvious one, Frank, but uh, – Actually, I, I, real quick, before I, I get into this next point, I do want to touch on something you said, because I think it's really important, not just uh, overall the offensive line needing to be able to have that ability to analyze, you know, who the who the Mike, you know, linebacker is or what cover formation they're going to be in. One of the most important aspects in football is to have that clean center quarterback relationship. Jeff Saturday, Peyton Manning is, is just like the perfect example of it. I really hope Lucas Patrick has seen more of that diamond in the rough guy. Got you know a lot of teams weren't really looking at him as a necessary like starting center and just oh we can just plug him in and he's going to be an all pro or anything like that. I really hope he's a solution to that position because we really haven't had an established center um, maybe since Olin Krutz. Like it, it's a position that's yeah. been changed out quite often. Uh, and just from personal experience when you, you know, with the Colts, I mean, every year they were projected to draft a center in the first round until they got Ryan Kelly. Cause that's just such an important position between, you know, snapping and things like that. Cody Whitehair, James Dan, like they were both supposed to be <laughs> the starting centers and it just didn't end up working out. Ronis Grassu, third round pick never oh. obviously panned out. Like it's a position that I think doesn't get enough attention. And I, I really I don't know if they've solved that issue. You know, I think it's a very yeah. important role for any offense. So I, I don't want to get to the point where Justin Fields is, you know, having to keep changing out centers, you know, left and right, because it is such an important position on the offensive line. It literally starts the entire play. No, I totally agree. Um, I mean, in terms of offense, I, I, I've said my piece there, Jack. Do you have anything before we move on to the defense? Honestly, just just overall, um, it's it's just going to be like an injuries thing. I mean, Justin yeah. Fields is, you know, he didn't exactly get out of last season completely clean. He missed some games due to due to being injured. He came out of games because he was injured. So I guess offensively, that's just going to be one thing to keep an eye on. Is he going to learn from turning his ribs into defenders? We've literally we talked about that last week as well, but just want to reiterate. He needs to stay healthy. He needs to prove that he can stay healthy for you know, all 17 games, ideally. I don't know how realistic that is with the type of player he is. Um, you know, running quarterbacks are bound to, you know, get scuffed up a little bit more. But as long as he can stay, you know, it, can he stay healthy, I think is a great question for for any fan. Oh, for sure. And, you know, if I was, if I was an NFL head coach or like a quarterback's coach, I would legitimately, like early in camp with a young quarterback that can use their legs the way Justin can, I'm bringing in like a retired baseball player, a base dealer. Give me like, uh, why am I playing his first name? Crawford. He, he was in the, uh, in the majors for a while. 
real fast. Why am I blanking on his first name? He's in the music industry now. Um, a lot of Crawfords, he, Frank. Well, he he played for the, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays for a while. You're talking about Fred McGriff. <laughs> no, not Fred McGriff. But anyway, you, you hire – No, Jesus. You hire like, – I, I would legitimately hire for a few – like show my guy how to slide. Like get his technique Nathan down, Press, drill it in his head. So any, Patterson. Give anyone, literally anyone who knows how to steal a base and knows how to slide. Give him to me. It just can't be Javi Baez because he's going to have him doing all types of wild <laughs> shit while he's sliding. He's uh, going to be sliding over, guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, but I, I I think that's a valid concern as well. And, and, dude, that's the one thing. And before I move on to defense, it's been so encouraging, man, to hear the things coming out of camp right now with Justin Fields, with his leadership, with his you know, I mean, they're talking about he's taking notes already. He has this down. He's studying beforehand before he gets to the practice field. And, like, that's the one thing that's gone forgotten, I think, a little bit. Obviously, the physical talents jump off the page. I mean, jump off the, the screen. He, he he can run. He can throw. He can do everything that Tua Tungabailoa cannot do. Um, and but what people don't realize is he scored, like, the highest on that quarterback test. I think like second highest of all time, but the highest since Peyton Manning, like this dude is, is fucking legitimately intelligent, at least football wise. I don't know what, you know, what his take is on astrophysics, you know, physicism or whatever, but like from a football perspective, he, based on that test, he is literally a genius. Like the people were going crazy over that during the draft process. But again, it was one of those things um, where like these other guys just got catapulted up above him for, you know, whatever reason. Um, but shifts it over to defense, and I don't have too much here, Jack. You may actually have more than me, but it is sort of the the opposite take of last week. Um, and w- with one new one that I'll say for last before I throw it to you, because I think I think I, I want to know your opinion on this. But but one, you know, maybe Eddie Jackson just is who he is. You know, it, we we talk about like getting back to that 2018 defense. He was a huge part of that. He had so many takeaways. Like, that was what he was doing. He wasn't tackling nobody. He was taking the ball away. And we haven't seen that since. And again, just like I said last week, I get it. He was playing a different role. He was strong safety instead of free safety. But the fact that that just completely goes away is worrisome. Um, and maybe that is what it was. It was just the position. But again, maybe that is, that's just who he is. Like, he had the flash in the pan year. Everything went right. You know, obviously, Khalil Mack had an awesome year. The whole the whole front seven did. So it was getting that sort of pressure, and maybe that's he was the product of that versus him being that guy um, at safety. So that, that I think that's a huge worry. Um, the other thing is, I know we we've talked about Robert Quinn, and both me and you have both done this. And again, I don't necessarily believe what I'm about to say, but I think it is a valid worry. We're talking about Robert Quinn like it's just a given that he's going to be that guy again. He's getting <laughs> old. Like he's yeah. not young. He's not like you know he's not 24. So we're really going to need guys like Travis Gibson to step up. We're going to need. Um, a few of the pass rushers that we that we drafted to step up. The interior doesn't look anywhere near as scary when you're comparing it to someone like 2018. You think of Eddie Goldman, uh, Akeem Hicks before you know uh, he got a little bit older and started getting hurt too much. Like that was a fucking scary interior, a very scary. Like and it just doesn't strike that Justin Jones is is cool. He, he seems nice, but it's not that right. So it, it, I think there are a lot more question marks again in comparison to like where the team was when they were elite. Um, the, 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 I, I still, I don't like, and, and again, this isn't the coaching staff's fault. They're shifting to a whole new, they're shifting to a, 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 a four, three. So they're, they're, I get why they're saying we have to see what these guys can actually do, but I, I want that linebacker position to be figured out sooner than later. I, I want them to know who the Mike is, who the will and who the Sam is. That's going to be so important to, to not only this year, but for the future of this team, like can, um, Roquan be, 
the Brian, I mean, we're going to need someone to be the Brian Urlacher in this cover two defense. That's what like you t- people talk about how good that 01 defense was in the 03 and the 05. It was because of Brian Urlacher. Like our pass rush was really good. I get that. But Urlacher could rush the passer. Urlacher was really good in coverage and Urlacher didn't fucking miss tackles. Like, you know what I mean? Like that is so huge in this cover two defense and that defense where you're keeping everything in front of you. And that sounds easy, but then we tried guys like Shay McClellan on the inside before. It didn't work. We tried guys like, uh, who are the two, Jack, that we drafted him from, uh, oh, oh, I'm John not Bostic. John Bostic from Florida. And and the other dude, too. Kasim um, Green. Kasim Green, who was supposed to be the next Lance Britt. Like, the, it, for whatever reason, I know they're not paid as much because running backs aren't paid as much, so that those are the two that sort of go together. But they're very important to a defense, especially yeah. a cover two defense. So it's like, the fact that we don't know who is who just yet, and let's make no mistake, the only blue chip talent we have at the second level of this defense is Roquan Smith. Everything else we have around him isn't the greatest. Like, I know Morrow seems to be okay, but we don't have a, a Lance Briggs on this team right now. So now we have to figure out, because talent's going to win out. I'm not, I'm not trying to advocate, even in the worst of takes of like, oh, Roquan's really not that good. We know Roquan's elite, but we have to figure out, are you the, the Briggs of this? Or are you the Erlacher of this? You know what I mean? Like, that's what we need to know who you are. Because if you're if you're the Erlacher of this, it's going to be a lot easier. And this is no disrespect to Lance Briggs. It's a lot easier to find a tackling machine than it is to find someone who runs the defense like Brian Erlacher did or like someone like Ray Lewis did in his time with Baltimore. Obviously, different scheme, but just you know what I'm saying. Like, But if you're Lance Briggs, we have to go in and find someone who's going to be that middle guy. That's fucking hard to find. So I hope Roquan is that guy, but we just don't know. But this leads me yeah. to my last point before I throw it to you. I don't like what I'm hearing about Jalen Johnson. I, I uh, um, The relationship, as it seems, with Eberflus and Jalen Johnson. It seems like Eberflus is pretty pissed that he he didn't go to, to the the uh, optional uh, training camp. So he's got him running with the second team right now. Uh, who, who knows what that does or if it's just if he is really just trying to see what he can and can't do. That's what he's saying right now. That scares me a little bit, though, Jackie, because we've been talking like Jalen Johnson is just CB1, throw him in there, he can be top 10, and that it is what it is. So let's just live in a scenario right now where either one, the relationship isn't there, so he's not getting those types of reps, or two, maybe they look at this roster and said, hey, Jalen Johnson isn't that good, or at least for this system, he's not that good. He's not our guy here. In that world, is Kyler Gordon ready to like step up right out of college and be a cornerback one? That's a fucking scary thought, because... What we were talking about last week is like, well, we have Jalen Johnson. Now we got fucking Kyler. Our CB2 is set. We're, we're ready to go, baby. And then we signed, um, I'm blanking on his name, but uh, uh, the guy we signed in the offseason. But he was supposed to be the guy that's like, oh, he's the slot corner. So now we have CB1, CB2, and a slot corner that we signed that everyone likes. I know he, he was with the Ravens. He missed a year. But like when he's healthy, he's that dude at, at, at the slot or, you know, in, in, in nickel situations. Now you're starting to see this. I'm like, wait a minute. The only thing that I felt very sure of is being snatched away from me here on this defense, man. Like, what the hell is going on? Um, but I mean, you're talking we're, we're, about Tavon Young. Tavon Young. Tavon yes, Young. Tavon Young. Yes, yes. He's the, supposed the to be the nickel package yeah. type of dude. Yeah. I mean, so what are your not only just for what what, what I had said, but that's where I wanted where, where I wanted to hand the baton off to you. How are you reading into this Jalen Johnson situation? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk you off the ledge here, Frank. I know this is supposed to be more of a pessimistic episode, but I, I don't think I can go there yet. Uh, I think it's exactly what you just said. I, I think, and, and I kind of like it uh, on the, the, the part of Eberflus, because I mean, like, this dude has talked about T 
team tackling, um, you know, all every all, you know, basically max effort all the way. Like this is how we're going to run this defense. And when your second year cornerback uh, doesn't show up to, you know, optional. And he, again, he not outwardly saying he's punished because it was optional. It's obviously not the best look, especially when you have a new coaching staff, a team that, you know, a front office that did not draft you and you don't show up. It's just not a great look, especially for someone who you want to be one of the leaders of not only your secondary, but your your defense in general. Um, I, I really think it is just that he was basically saying, all right. I mean, you're not going to show up. That's fine. But you're also going to be running the second team and fucking deal with it. Yeah. I, I like that. Jackie, wait for loose. Real quick, though, you you said I was trying to find the tweet and I couldn't. You said the 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 gang tackling and everyone. Did you see that clip? I think that uh, Alex Brown put out from that like oh five defense. It was a quick out. Patrick, who we were playing, it was a quick out route that they threw in the whole fucking deep. Like Charles <laughs> Tillman missed the tackle. Briggs got him. Tommy Harris is coming up for that. I oh that made me. If we can get back to that man, oh my god. That's- that that's what I'm saying. Like it, it's clearly going to be, you know, a max effort defense. Like he wants people to be making plays. So w- when your arguably best secondary player isn't showing that team, you know, team spirit type thing, like Eberflus doesn't really strike me as a guy who's going <laughs> to really sit well with that. Again, he's not punished. He's not obviously saying Jalen Johnson's going to be like the you know second corner or whatever. You know, he's going to come off the bench or anything like that for missing, you know, optional team activity stuff. But I, I really think it is just that. Um, but again, it, it, it sucks that I'm talking about it now because it, it would fit more with last week's episode because I really like that from Eberflus. He's basically saying <laughs> no one has earned their job on this defense. Like you're going to fucking I'm going to make you earn it. And I, I love that. I absolutely love that. I think that's the, the correct attitude to have. Um but Frank, you know, I'll stick with the secondary um, as one of my big concerns. Brisker, Gordon, Tavon Young, Thomas Graham Jr., fuck man, even Jalen Johnson, like we were just talking about, Eddie Jackson. These, there's really no like proven guy. There's there's no player that you can hang your hat on and say this guy is going to be a Pro Bowler. Even Eddie Jackson, you know, he uh, he has probably the most pedigree, but all of that was three or four years ago. Like it's 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 been a minute since he's been, you know, considered one of the better safeties in the league. The the depth isn't that great either with Kendall Vildor still on the team, Duke Shelley. Like these are guys that we've seen a lot from and just not obviously that that great. Um, you know, we saw some flashes from Thomas Graham Jr. I think he's a better yeah, depth player than he is probably a starter. Um, but again, we don't know what he'll do in a full season, especially in a new defense. Like you were talking about, a lot of these guys weren't drafted for a four, three. These were a lot of these guys were drafted for a three, four. So we'll see how that changes. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with Robert Quinn. That was going to be my biggest, you know, question mark and, and exact reason why this may not, <laughs> this defense may take that step back. He is getting older. He has been hurt before. Is he going to get 18, 18 sacks again? Probably not. I'd be surprised if he did. Um, and, and this defense really relies on that front seven. Um, 
and this isn't exactly the best front four. Uh, you know, whether it is Travis Gibson, Mario Edwards Jr., you know, Al Kadeem Muhammad, who they brought in from Indy, Angela Blackson again, you know, Justin Jones, like we talked about them signing. We don't know, right? Like, we don't know exactly how these pieces are going to fit. Um, can this pass rush deliver what they need to in a, in a 4-3? Uh, I think that's obviously going to be the biggest question mark. Um, but again, Travis Gibson, he was drafted as an outside linebacker, like, to to rush the passer that way, not necessarily up front, hand-in-the-dirt type stuff. So I, I totally agree. I think question marks just all over this roster, right? Like we've seen good things from a lot of these players. Can they step up and, and be consistent in this new scheme? We, we, we just don't know. Yeah, no. And, and I was, I was sort of thinking about the linebacker position as I was talking about it. Do we know who the fuck the third linebacker is? I know we, ha- it's, it's, um, it's, um, it's going to be Matthew Adams. He was a uh, pickup from, from India as well. Okay. 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 Yeah. So, I mean, it's just realistically, it's just it's a lot of unknowns on both sides. And again, I, I land closer to last week's episode than I do this week's, but it's not all the way there. The pendulum isn't shifted all the way left in terms of optimism for me. Um, just like I said in, in towards the beginning of the episode, for me, I, I look at this team, a successful year for me, if we're talking like wins and losses, is like being in playoff contention late. If we fall off at the end, you know, it, it is what it is. Again, the, the ultimate goal is being watchable. That would be phenomenal for me. If I can just sit back, fucking pop a cold one, and just watch Justin Fields have fun on Sundays, I'm all in. Um, but I do think this this is more of like a 7, 8, 9 win team in that range than anyone predicting us to win two or three games. I, I just think we have too much talent, and the schedule just isn't that good. The NFC isn't that good. I mean, you talk yeah. about if you're a contending team, who are the teams that scare you in the NFC? It's the Rams and the Buccaneers. I mean, am I am I miss? I feel like I'm and missing the, one. And the, the Packers. And, and, and the Packers, of course, because they're probably going to win the division again. Those yeah. three other, I mean, there are four other playoff spots, man. No one in the NFC East scares you. And I, I mean, does anyone in the NFC South other than the Bucks get like? Are we scared not, of not not we as the Bears? I just mean like the NFC. Like, are you scared of the Saints with Jameis Winston coming back and like a whole a new coach and like who I, their defense is going to be really good? I think their defense will keep them in games, but like this isn't scary. So like, I, it wouldn't surprise me if um, you know we are this year's Eagles, where we we get nine, we win nine games, we get in there, we may probably lose in the first round, but it's like this is valuable experience for the team. This is a growth. So that, that that's what I, I really what I wanted to end this episode on, Jack. I'm, I, I want to ask you the question before I answer it. Is that a good thing for you? Like, let's say we win nine games or eight games, whatever it is, and we sneak in, we're the six, seven seed, and we lose in the first round uh, to probably like the Buccaneers, whoever the top seed or one of the top seeds is. Um, is that is that is that what a successful year for you for for the 2022 Bears? I'll say yes because um, I think anytime you can you can make the playoffs. I think regardless of how you get there, uh, as we've discussed many times, it's not it's not necessarily like oh well you made the playoffs good. Like we've we've heard we've had enough of those excuses. But I think anytime you make the playoffs, realistically, you should be happy with that season because it means that you know, at least some of it was enjoyable. You obviously won more games than you lost. Um, but I think for a first-time GM, a first-time head coach, again, a second-year quarterback, a, a team with a lot of question marks, 
if they're able to come together a first time offensive coordinator, I should say as well, if they're able to all come together and make this thing work and, and get to the playoffs in with, with not just being seven and nine or seven and, and 10, I guess it would be now, um, you know, and not just because all the other teams in your conference are terrible, then yeah, I would count that as a success. That's that. The, the, there's a lot to overcome this year, even with you know, it, it, we we have this assumption that Justin Fields will be more of the guy we saw in Pittsburgh than he will be the guy that we saw in Cleveland, right? Like, but but we really we really don't know that yep. for a fact. I think you and you and I just are kind of making educated assumptions on how quarterbacks evolve in this league, but we don't know what this Luke Getzey offense is going to look like. We've heard the talk before. We've heard Matt Nagy talk about how he understands how this offense needs to be fixed. And then it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't work. Um, So yeah, I I would say if they make the playoffs, given everything else that's going on, um, I would count that as, as, as a success, especially if like (laughs) like you've been preaching and then just begging for if they're fun to watch, yeah, that's that's going to be a win for me. Yeah, and that that was going to be sort of my caveat. It's like for me, it would depend on how on how oh, we made it there. there. I know. Like if it's if it's another like oh here's a, a defensive head coach that came in and like the defense kept them in games, but the offense was still bad. It's like okay, what are we doing here? And there there's always that percentage of people that are like oh, who fucking cares? They're winning games, and and we they were telling us this a couple years ago in our YouTube comments. What the fuck do you mean? You were like upset that they want it's because like that's not how you win in today's nfl can, can that get you to 500 and sneak in sure that's never going to win you a championship in today's nfl it, your offense has to be good it, it just is what it is like defense wins championships to a degree but but that just means the defense has to get timely stops it doesn't mean your defense has to be the fucking 85 bears of the or 2000 ravens that's just not what what you know that's not where money is being invested anymore in these football teams so if we get that and we sneak in with the eight or nine wins that it wouldn't be successful to me, like successful to me would be eight or nine wins with the offense continuously taking step forwards, Justin Fields, you know, looking better and better, if not just looking fucking brilliant from the start, you know what I mean? And, and it's the defense that's blowing games and not the offense. Um, and even if, you know, if it was the latter and we wind up losing in the first round, just like the Eagles did, like they got the doors blown off. They got the shit kicked out of them by the bucks. Um, and people were like, well, what's, you know, I saw a bunch of Eagles fans. Well, what's the point? Is this too, that's good experience for your team and for your young quarterback. Like the only time I would feel like that'd be a waste of time if I, is if I thought Justin Fields wasn't the answer in the same way that I thought Mitch Trubisky wasn't when we lost to the Saints. It's like, okay, what the fuck are we doing here, man? Like, he's not going to learn from this. We've seen this rodeo before. It, it's, <laughs> yeah. it, it's like, why are, why is this happening right now? Why is there fucking slime on a last second touchdown to Jimmy Graham to, to you know, cut the loss down to, 12 or whatever it was like that. That's what I don't want to begin for. But again, even, even if, you know, it's not the best season, it's sort of shaky and we do, you know, make the playoffs and, you know, we get the shit kicked out of us in the first round. I like, unless Justin does something astronomically awful, like on the field, I mean, throughout this season, which I, I just think his talent is too good for that. Um, I don't forecast me feeling any differently about Justin Fields in the negative. Um, you know, that, that, that would make me feel like making the playoffs was a waste of time. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree. Um, I, I want them like, like we've talked about, we want them just, just to be fun, but 
not gonna lie, I wouldn't mind if they like won some games and made the playoffs. I think that'd be that'd just be entertaining. Um, but how are they gonna get there? Right? Like, like you totally hit the nail. They're just gonna be boring and 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 you know win games that are like thirteen to ten or, or something like that. Like, I don't want. I don't want that. I don't think a lot of Bears fans want that again because we've seen it already. Just want to see this offense. Like, I want this team to show me that they are going to be a team that will be good for the next five to ten years. Like, that's all I'm – That's I know it's saying all I want, but I, I want a team that's going to be, con- like, consistently a threat to win everything. Like to win the win games in the playoffs, win the Super Bowl. Like I just want to see signs of that. I don't necessarily need to see that. Like, oh, this team is going to be unstoppable for the next, you know, five. Like I don't need them right out of the gate to go and win a Super Bowl. Would that be great? Of course it would be. That'd be awesome. But I, I want to see signs that this can be just a constant thing. The Bears will be constantly, we, I mean, we see it with the Rams and the, you know, especially recently, I should say, the the Chiefs, the Bills now, uh, the Packers for the last 45, you know, 45 years for us. At least that's what it's felt like. <laughs> like the Patriots, obviously, that's, that's the standard. That's the platform yep. standard, I yep. should say. But, like, that's what I want to see. I want to see this team not just be another one to two seasons of being good and then just once again having to go back to being you know to, to reloading or rebuilding or, or or something like that like i i want to be the ravens i want to be the steelers i want to yeah. see this team just change the narrative of the bears you keep seeing that your team is listed at three and 13 do something to change that no, I totally agree. And, and that, that's why I think people get lost, though, because like I've said a lot of the same things that you said just in conversations with people. And it's almost like it can come across as, oh, like you want them to be like a dynasty. No, the, the, the I mean, the Patriots have really been the only dynasty. The Steelers aren't a dynasty. The Ravens are not. But they give that fan base hope, every, like real hope every single year like this. We can make a deep playoff run like we can we can go to the Super Bowl. Like just like you said, we get that once every 10 years if we're lucky and then it just goes away it's not like it's not built on any foundation it's almost it's like you just threw it together yeah and yeah. that was like i remember having these conversations with uh, a friend that i had who's a white Sox fan and it was after the Sox won in 05 and um i told him i was like look i i know in this before the cubs won in the 20s because like, you got your ring i'm not trying to discount that but like isn't that annoying being a chicago fan that White Sox team was just like splung together and it just happened to be good. Like there was no plan there. Like it was, it was kind of lucky when you think about the way that team was put together. And I was like, why can't any teams have this sustained success? Like the only bit, and then like, this wasn't part of that conversation because this was beforehand, but like the only bit of sustained success we've had as Chicago fans, unless you're a Blackhawks fan has were the Cubs was 2015 through 2019. I guess 2020 you can count, but like, that was it. That that's it. And it was one ring. And even then, and, yeah, and even then in those microcosm, in looking into those seasons, like from the outside, you're like, well, they made three straight NLCSs. But like, Frank, you you remember 2017 when they're playing the Dodgers and it's just like not even a competition. You're just like, Well, it's it's great that we went well, through I mean, all of this shit just for that. What was you know? the year? Was it twenty eighteen when we beat the Nationals in the first That was twenty seventeen. That was twenty. And we like, I mean, we hit like one twenty-eight for the series. Oh, it was fucking gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it, it just like it, it's great that 
again, it's all about perceptions, about how you're getting there. It's the same thing with the Bears, what we were talking about. Like, yeah, they made the playoffs, you know, with, with Matt Nagy, but, like, one was a – like, as much fun as that 2018 team was, they literally lost in the first round to the Eagles at home with a backup quarterback at uh, – And, granted, and an injured secondary. And an injured secondary that Matt Nagy just decided to wait until the fourth quarter to be like, oh, yeah, they're, they're secondary. They do have backups in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, granted, they did win a Super Bowl with that backup quarterback and one of the greatest performances of all time. But again, and and then like you said, they they play they, they fucking fall ass backwards into that Saints game on Nickelodeon when they just get like it, it just I I think that drop of Javon Wims in that in the end zone I think that was a perfect moment to just like take a picture of and just put in the, put in the bears scrapbook, the the bears yearbook of this is just what this team was throughout the last four years, just close, but just not close enough. So I want to see that change. I want to see this team be a constant contender. Um, You know, I want, I want this front office to be the Steelers front office, the, the, the Ravens front office, where it's just like, you just trust them that they know what they're doing and they're constantly trying to compete and trying to win. Um, it's just not something we've seen consistently throughout our time as, as Bears yeah. fans, unfortunately. It's just, well, it comes and goes very quickly. And, and, and that's why, that's why I've said like constantly, what I mean by like watchability is obviously like fun on offense, but it's like, it's an, having an identity. Like, it's not necessarily Justin Fields throwing the ball 50 times. The 49ers are a run-first team, and they're fun as fuck to watch. When Lamar Jackson is healthy in Baltimore, they run the ball 40, 50 times a game. And it's fun to watch. Like, you can run the ball quite a bit and still be very fun. Like, I just want there to be an identity. Like, that's what I want to leave this season with. So forget, as my son is hollering in the background, um, (laughs) forget the win totals and things like that. Just if we, whether it's three wins, 12 wins, if we leave this year with an offensive identity, that's a win in and of itself. And really my last point, and I meant to do this earlier, and I sort of forgot to your rebuttal of Ryan Poles. um, I like most of the moves he's made this year, just the same as you. I'm not really going to do any sort of judging of him. Next offseason is when he has this flexibility with the cap and he can do different things. That's what I want to really sort of zone in on what he's doing. This year, he's really setting it up for next year and trying to maximize what he can. We have so much dead cap. I think we have like the third or fourth most dead cap in the league this year because he just got rid of old players and he's getting rid of you know, players that Ryan uh, and he shouldn't have, have paid and he didn't have a first round pick. So like next year when it, it, it'll feel more like the real off season for me. Um, but even what he's done, he showed a level of savviness that we haven't really had here at, at, at GM. Like Jerry Angelo was very good at drafting defensive talent in the mid rounds and things. He, he was good with that same, like Ryan Pace was good with mid round talent, but like his free agent signings were kind of bad. Phil Emery, let's just not even talk about him, but it's like, the level of savviness that he's shown here has, I, I, it's been refreshing. Again, ma- none of this may work out, but just like what he's doing with the salary cap and trading down to like maximize those lottery tickets, like we haven't had that before. Even when teams were rebuilding, we we haven't had that before. Yeah, and and what I want um, as, as well, kind of just going into the consistency thing as well. Yeah, uh, this is the thing I just want overall, and we can end the podcast here unless you have more to add on. I want this team to just make sense. I, I want this team to do things the nor the the just 
the normal way, essentially. Hey, it's great that Ryan Pace was great at finding late-round talent, but can he be like every other fucking team and find talent in the first round, like good fucking superstar talent in the second round? Like that type of stuff. Like I want this team to... I want this team to be able to find that talent, and then I want this coaching staff to be able to coach up this talent and to develop them into good players. That's what I want. I, I want superstars on this team, Frank. I'm tired of, like, the scrappy, you know, even Allen Robinson to a certain extent. Like, he's like a he's like a B star at, at, the, very, at the very most. Like, he was never Justin Jefferson or right. C.D. Lamb or any of these other guys. Fuck, man, even D.K. to a certain extent. I know that, you know, how kind of how you feel about DK Metcalf, but like find those players, find those players. They, they're not all in the first round. AJ Brown wasn't a second. Oh, it wasn't a first round pick. DK Metcalf wasn't either. Like find these guys in these later in these, you know, second round or even the first round. If you see a Justin Jefferson draft him, just do it. Just draft them regardless of position, get some superstars on this team. That's what I want. I agree, I man. And, 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 and again, I think, you know, a, a lot of what we're going to touch on during the season is going to be, uh, unless like, again, if, if Justin Fields takes that Patrick Mahomes second year step, everything we're talking about in terms of expectation is going to be thrown out the window where our expectations are going to be raised if something like that happens. Um, but I, I do think we're going to leave this season knowing who is who, who is a guy, where Ryan Poles can really zone in to improve this team um, and really what the identity of this team is moving forward. Uh, like, I... I'm really optimistic about this regime. And these are my parting thoughts because of the way that they're talking about, like every other, when you think back and I didn't feel this way, like, I think I'm just, we're, we're getting older and more seasoned. We've seen more change happen and sort of see what the rhetoric is around it. But again, like Mark Tressman was like, oh, he's just the quarterback whisperer. He's the guy that's going to fix Jay. And and here, you know, here comes uh, Andy Reid's right-hand man who's in here to just, he's like this genius that's going to do it. And the, like the conversation was over right then and there. And then when you asked them questions, it was all just like full coach speak. It was just like, oh yeah, we're just going to, that has not, I know people with the acronyms, yada, yada, but like when you ask them what their plan is, they're giving you good ideas as to what they want to do. Like, it's very clear to me that they have a plan. And that to me is very encouraging because they know the type of football team that they want to be. So they're going to be able to draft guys and bring guys in to continue to mold that identity. Like th this year, year one to me is like really is Lucas Patrick, good enough does he have more time so we can extend him if he's gonna like you talk about that importance with justin fields and that quarterback center exchange like we're we're, we're seeing who is who to know how we really want to move forward and that's why i said like next year next offseason that's going to be an important one because we have so much money to spend we have we're going to have all the draft picks like the, the, this year it, it's in terms of winning it, it's the least important in the grand scheme of things it's going to be next offseason where you know i think me and you are going to have much stronger takes Versus like, well, we really don't know, or this is the unknown that like we're really going to be able to dig in and see, you know, see who is who and what is what. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And, um, you know, I know, I know the next couple of weeks here, we got a, a few other things planned about what we want to do. Um, Bears wise, you know, there's going to be wanting to keep an eye on training camps and Frank's already taking it to the limit when it comes to <laughs> Johnson. He's I've already had to talk him off a, a, a cliff already. So this should be an interesting, an interesting off season to say the least, but we appreciate you guys listening as always feel free to like, and subscribe, share uh, this podcast. If you think, you know, bears fans will want to listen to this, or if you just want to change the opinions of some of your dumb, stupid bears fans, friends, because um, I guarantee we all know at least one, at least two.
At least five, if I'm being honest. I was with gonna you. say, Probably fuck. I know quite. Hand. I know way yeah. too many. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good point. But uh, this podcast will definitely inform them of why they're dumb, and and that's what we're here to do, Frank. We're we're here to to keep people from being dumb. Um, that includes us sometimes. So appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Later, everybody. Later, Jackie.